Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. Today, we're going to talk about spirituality and sexuality. To help me out, I have Kara Haug here. She is a sexual health educator whose business is Reframing Our Stories. That's the title of her business. Kara, would you please say hi to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Also, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Hi, I'm really glad to be here. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my name is Kara Haug. I'm a sexuality educator and my business is Reframing Our Stories. And I chose that because after um, I had a previous business called Grace Unbound, which I had started primarily because I went and uh, taught in churches because I have a master's in theological studies. But I noticed that when I was doing my workshops and being with people uh, and talking to them about sexuality and relationships, that primarily I was reframing their stories. And so now I have a business partner and uh, we concentrate on changing people's narratives around how we talk about sexuality and our bodies and relationships. And we focus on families, schools, and church communities. Wonderful. Thank you again for being here, Kara. And I need to just jump into the deep end here because we're talking about this topic of theology and spirituality and sexuality. There are some people that are like, these things do not go together. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? (laughs) Well, what's fascinating for many people is that I really started getting really interested in learning about sexuality when I went to seminary. And it was because I had a class called Sex and Sensibility, and the whole premise of the class was to get to understand our sexuality because the professor who taught it, Gary Pence, said it's it's important for us to understand ourselves sexually in order to minister and be in relationship with people, which I thought was really wise. And some of the exercises we did in that class and papers just really changed my life, and it made me get to know myself even better. And really, when you look at it, and this is what I talk about when I go into church spaces, is we do like to separate sex and spirituality. We think that they're very separate things, but in fact, that's far from the truth, and they're very interwoven together. And it's because there's two of the most personal parts of ourselves. Whether we have a a belief or not, there's still that component of not believing that's very personal to you. And so the way we interact with those two subjects, you know, are intertwined and they're at the core of our beings. And so how we feel about one is how we interact with the other. And that's what I try to help teach these spaces so that when we're constantly hearing in religious spaces, not all of them, but many of them, that sex is bad that thinking about sex is bad, that our bodies are sinful and things like that, that really affects our core and how we then integrate 
and relate to our sexual selves and then actually like who we are all together. Earlier, before we started recording on Zoom, you had said you're helping to change the narrative in church institutions. So if we're talking about sex in a positive manner, and I know people are hearing more about this positivity for sex education, would you mind expanding on that and how perhaps you're changing that narrative? Mm -hmm. Sure. So for instance, um, I know people hear sex positive and they get scared and they're like, oh, you're teaching kids just to go have sex and all that stuff. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) that's not what it is. My essence of what I think sex positivity is, and really it can be different for all people or many people, but my definition around that is that I, I believe and does, and feel that every person is deserving to have a healthy relationship and pleasure in those relationships, you know, in a consensual way. And I believe everyone should be seen and heard. And I feel like we can't necessarily get there until we start changing the way we have these conversations. And so, for instance, I teach families how to start integrating a sex positive viewpoint into their conversations where I do stuff like in the beginning, I ask people to close their eyes, their parents, and I say, what would happen if somebody said this to you? And they close their eyes and I say something like, dear child. I'm like, pretend I'm your caregiver. And I say things like, your relationships with people matter to me. And I want you to be able to have the fullest and richest relationships that you can, where you feel like you're cared for, where you are respected and where you are valued. And I say things like, um, and with that is also intimacy. And I want you to feel pleasure. And for that, and because of that, then we need to have some conversations that might feel a little awkward, but they're necessary so you can have those relationships. And I immediately, like, I say those things, and I cannot tell you what happens when the parents, (laughs) their faces change, and there's just this, like, (laughs) this silence, and then an audible sigh of, ugh right? This release. And, and I said, how would your life have been different if those words were said to you? And everyone said completely different, right? And I'm like, so this is where we want to go with our children now. That's the lens in my eyes of sex positivity. Wow. (laughs) I need to say, as you're talking your voice, your tone is so calm. So it's really nice to hear because I would think that's needed regarding going to some parents and other caregivers about talking with children as well as preteens and and teens. When do you recommend parents and other caregivers start? Like, is there a particular age and how do they start? Yeah. Well, you know, I advocate all the time for them to start at the very, you know, the moment they're born. And we talk about this all the time about, you know, we can build sexuality is vast. And so our sense of emotional wellness is part of our sexuality, our sense of attachment. And so being able to start making eye contact and talking to your kids all the time about developing language and having those moments of attachment are is very important. But then as they get older, you know, diaper changing and things. You can talk about 
I'm changing your diaper. I am cleaning your vulva. I'm cleaning your penis. And then that goes into potty training. Like these are your parts. And you start talking about their parts because when we integrate it into everyday life, then it doesn't become as awkward and strange as it is, you know, for many now. And then what happens is the conversations start to come more easily And if you haven't started having those conversations, then I just say, you know, make it stuff where you can um, ask each other simple questions like at dinner, like, what do you think love is? Like having a conversation like that, um, what does trust mean to you? Or talk to me about why this friend of yours is your best friend. What qualities about that person is important for you? Because all of these discussions are sexual health questions, and it helps build up your child's sense of knowledge around their needs and um, their wants and desires and relationships when you have these conversations early on, you know, at different moments of the day. (laughs) So one thing you're reminding me of is that the word talk is used as a verb here. I'm constantly thrown when I hear reference, maybe it's in the media, maybe it's with people chatting, that did you have the talk, the talk? It's like this one single conversation. And what I'm hearing you say, it's talks throughout a child, a young person's life, which I'm supportive of. And you have conversation cards that start at like young, young, yeah, like that age. Yeah. Yes. So yes. And it is a series of talks. And that's why I started creating these conversation cards, because I thought, you know, lots of times people get nervous about, well, what questions do I even ask? And sometimes really, how can I say this? It's almost sometimes so simple that we make it harder than it really is, right? Because because some of us have had not great experiences, or maybe that wasn't modeled for us. And so it might come harder for some of us to have these Um, sense of these moments of intimacy with our children of having conversations because it wasn't modeled for us and that's okay. And we can learn from that. So I created these cards where, you know, you can just take one card and ask each other at dinner. You can do it at bedtime. You can do it in the car while you're waiting in line. And I've already had some um, parents contact me uh, who have bought the cards and has said like, these have been really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And they have talked about how some of the funniest (laughs) comments that some of their kids have said around like naming body parts and different things like that. And yeah, so it's, it's just a tool because my hope is that families can learn to do this because really our understanding of sex happens in the home. What are the title of your cards? Just reframing our stories, conversation cards. (laughs) Very good. <laughs> Nothing really creative. <laughs> I no, I think that is. I think it's it is creative. It causes somebody to pause to go, what is this about reframing? And like you had said in the beginning, say if we were spoken to in a different manner where the topic of being a sexual being wasn't this punishment and I don't want to hear about it. It's, you know, it's but it's more, yeah, we're sexual beings. And I've always heard from young people, from teenage, from college students, from adults, that having that conversation actually helps them make better decisions. We see that in the research. If you talk earlier, your children are more likely to make decisions that are in line with your values. As long as it's not like you have to do what I do is a conversation and letting them know your values and why. 
And I think that's how you and I got connected because when we had that meeting, the C Education Alliance meeting, you talked about your cards, the Reframing Our Stories cards. And then I shared, I have cards in the back of my book, The Common Questions Children Ask. And then that was created into the Talk Puberty app where talk is a verb, not a one-time talk. And there's questions. It's a cue to action in health education. That's what we call it. Like there's a question, make fun of the questions, make fun of the authors here, Kara and myself, but it makes them talk. Well, I will tell you, so I even tried it out on my family. So we were in a a car trip and my kids are older, right? So I have a preteen and I have a second grader and I talk all the time with them about stuff, but so they're like, mom, let's do your preschool cards, you know, (laughs) my preteen says, I'm like, yes, let's try this out. And so they decided to answer them all incorrectly (laughs) as a way (laughs) to be funny. But it was, but what was great about that is like, we were getting into it and we were laughing and they were just like, no, this is how I would do this. And, you know, some of the cards are like, what if somebody, you know, takes your toy while you're trying to play, you know, with the young kids and how do you respond? Or, Uh, Can you still have a fight with someone and be their friend? Like simple things like this, right? To have these conversations. And so my kids are just being silly and goofy with it and saying things that, you know, is not what we would really want them to do. Clearly knowing that that wasn't like the best response, but we were enjoying each other, you know, and laughing and then I say things like, well, what would you really do? (laughs) And then they would respond, you know? Right. But yeah, the whole thing, like you said, like, it's okay to even find the questions maybe silly and to be like, why are you, (laughs) who are these people? But you are at least creating a sense of intimacy and bonding. And that's what's important. Yes. And that car ride, talking in the car ride, so many families say it works. Mm -hmm. And I know when I have the cards out in a college class, the actually there's a, a form of the cards, it's more advanced teenagers college adults, even adults our age, it's called the before you have sex discussion cards. And I'll hear them like they're in groups and I'll hear them kind of say, this is ridiculous. And then someone's like, well, you know, how would you still answer that? And it's this, I believe that what you're saying for people to have healthy relationships, whether it be with their siblings, with other family members, with their friends. And then once they start getting into these relationships, the dating relationships, the romantic and or sexual relationships, if they have this skill set of communication, it's going to be a base for them. And it continues because to do something with another person, to honor yourself and the other person, it's smart to have conversations beforehand. Yes. And I, I do feel like communication and these conversations, like you said, really are the foundation of playing, you know, relationships. And I just, you know, when I teach parents and stuff, I say to them all the time, listen, I know I'm helping you teach this stuff, but I'm still learning myself, right? Like these things, a lot of us weren't given those tools. And so it's practice and it's scary and it can feel abnormal but we just have to keep trying and encouraging each other to try and have these conversations, you know, like giving parents also, I've done stuff with giving them scenarios too, about what would you do, you know, in this situation with a contraceptive or something with a condom. And I give them a scenario. I'm like, how would you have this conversation? And they're like, I don't know what to say. And I go, well, how do you think your kid knows what to say then? Yes. Because if we don't model it as adults, 
children aren't going to necessarily know. Mm-hmm. What I see on the media, I am amazed that it's not realistic. So that they need models to actually show positive, healthy communication skills. Yeah. So what are your overall recommendations for parents and other caregivers about approaching their children regarding this topic? I mean, certainly your cards being in the car, what other recommendations do you have? Yeah. So one of the things I also discuss is I think it's super important for us to kind of go back and remember what it was like for us. Like, remember how you were talked to about sex. Remember some of your fondest relationships and remember the bad ones. Remember the things that might've happened to you that weren't great. And you need to talk about those uh, to yourself, right? Um, Figure out your relationship with those things because those can come up as triggers, you know, with our kids. And so I call it pulling back to move forward. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. So pull back, think about these experiences in your life and then how do you think if a situation arose with your kid, how do you think you would handle it and things like that? And I also tell parents, I call them shower talks and car talks. And what that means is have conversations with yourself in the shower or in the car or wherever you're alone. And if you're nervous to have a certain conversation, practice it, practice it out loud in the shower while you're driving in the car just so that you yourself can feel okay having the conversation, but like also not creating what you think the outcome is going to be, but just for yourself to get into that space of feeling less nervous, you know? We do that in the K through 12 setting where we have students practice how to communicate, how to use refusal skills, that kind of thing. And I think it's interesting. It's not always done in real life. Yet, if you were going to do a 5K run, you would need to train or practice beforehand. So I just had this thought. You just brought it up, Kara, that why not do the same for your conversations with your children and other folks in your life? If it's a partner, significant other, why not practice Yeah, and then go and have the conversation? I mean, and practice, I just am in so, so much support of parents. Like if you have a group of parents who, you know, kind of raise their children similarly and who you trust with certain things, like get together with those parents and talk and say, can I run this by you? (laughs) Like, this is what I want to say. What, how would you respond? Or is there a better way I could phrase this? Like, just help each other out because we're, who knows, you know, how to parent, like it's one of the weirdest things. (laughs) You think about it here, here's a child, go do this. And so we're always having to learn. And I do think it's really hard. And so we can rely on experts and our, each other to help each other out. We act as a team. Yeah, totally. I interviewed a gynecologist, Dr. Fatu Forna, who's on one of the episodes of the Puberty Prof podcast. And she talked about that she has children herself, but to have that conversation, she's like, uh, she kind of like admitted she didn't kind of, she definitely admitted it's challenging when you have those parent glasses on that parent hat, because this is your own child. So what I'm hearing you say is note that this can be challenging because certainly going and talking to other people's children, but when it's yours, there might be an additional challenge there. Oh yeah. Well, one of the things that I also do 
in my business is I teach um, kids in their own home. So parents hire me and I teach, they, we talk about the topics and I teach their children and their friends because oftentimes parents want that help for the like breaking ground, right? (laughs) Getting into some of the nitty gritty. And so I do that for them. And then what happens is normally pre-COVID, we would have a dinner or a meal at the end as a way to normalize it. And um, actually, that's why my business partner is now my business partner, because she used to be a client and I did this for her family. And she said, Kara, it changed the way we talk because you set the baseline and we knew what was covered and now we could go there. And so that's why it's okay to like rely on some experts to help. Right. And then take it, you know, then you can continue forward. And, and I think it's okay for us to admit when we need extra help with that too. And there's so many great resources now available. Including yourself. I'm glad you raised that you actually work with families. A question regarding maybe a parent or other caregiver that's listening, or even a younger person, what advice do you have for people wanting to have their religious institutions, their churches talk more positively about this topic? How can somebody do that? Well, certainly I would say it would be important, I think, to bring it up to the leader of the church too, to say, could we look into bringing someone in to help us with these conversations? I get called by churches a lot to say parents would like to have you come and talk to them about sex, you know, and I also do uh, retreats with the youth of the church and different things like that. But what's important is, in my opinion, you know, the church institution has caused harm, you know, throughout life in terms of the way that we talk about our bodies and the way that um, there's so much shame that has been wrapped up in our sexuality. But I do believe it could be a change maker too, because, you know, there needs to be some reconciliation and apologizing and different things like that. But to then become a space where we can recognize that we were created to be sexual beings and to have these conversations openly. From my experience, when you talk about sexuality and when you start to get to know yourself in that way, and when you are able to then also obviously bring in emotional wellness and all this stuff, I mean, people's lives change and we are better for it. And when there's silence and when there's met with um, shame and resistance, then we are hurting, right? Like people are hurting. There's so many people who are hurting in their sexual lives. And I just feel like, or who they are, who they think they are. And so I guess that's why I got into this line of work is because I want people to feel better about who they are. I want them to experience really good relationships because that's why we're here, (laughs) like to connect with one another, to learn from one another. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing just to help in that way. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask another question and feel free to pass. Oh, sure. What advice do you have for a parent or other caregiver when they discover that their child is perhaps touching themselves for pleasure? So, so many people, right, especially in the religious community, are taught that masturbation is not okay. However, you know, science has also taught us 
that there's benefits to masturbation and that it can be healthy. And especially when we start touching our genitals at a young age because we're exploring and we explore what feels good. And when we touch our genitals, those feel good. And so I think it's okay. Uh, I don't think I encourage parents to not say things like, oh, don't do that or stop that because that can bring on shame. But you can say along those lines of if they're like a young kid and you see them doing that, be like, oh, yes, that feels good, doesn't it? But, you know, I would like you to do that in your room or in the bathroom. And then you start setting up those, letting them understand that that's a private activity, you know, but saying it in such a way like, you know, yeah, that does feel good, but we're going to do that in these spaces. And then that can go along to the lines of having the talk of, and you know that other people are not allowed to touch you there unless you say that's okay, you know, and you talk about age stuff, obviously, like. Age of consent. Age Mm -hmm. of consent. So you say, and then you start moving into those conversations. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. I tell parents, like if they have teenagers, you know, too, and they get worried about pornography and masturbation. And I say to them, I'm like, you know, the behavior itself is okay. If it's taking them away from relationships, if it's taking them away from being with other people in a positive manner, then that's when you say we need to maybe discuss the behavior and that maybe it's going too far, you know? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And I do have a speaker that'll be on soon in a couple of weeks in which she's talking about masturbation, uh, talking more about that. Um, That's going to actually be the whole episode and we're calling it the M word. (laughs) To help people understand that, yeah, we can talk about this, but that was a title I had gotten from somebody, one of our listeners, you know, are you going to talk about the M word? So I want to support discussions about those topics, which are very sensitive in nature. They could be controversial Mm -hmm. in nature, but to help people have these conversations to talk. Remember, talk is a verb. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other recommendations for parents, caregivers, or children? regarding this topic of spirituality and sexuality? Well, I would just say, you know, I think it's important for for everyone to look at the relationship that they have, if they are believers that they have with God, to understand um, what they've been told about God, but what do they feel is feels good for them. And to know that, you know, other people might feel differently and, but I think it's important to recognize that in in my humble opinion, and other people might think differently, but I think God is always trying to find a way to connect with us. And I think a, a brilliant way that God created that was through intimacy and sex. And I think that that's nothing to feel badly about. And so that's kind of where I come from. But I think it's important that we look at how were our beliefs taught to us. It's okay for us to change, you know, and to grow um, and to be in relationship with God through prayer and like meditation and or dance or laughter or whatever. And just be able to continuously get to know yourself and, and that relationship congruently. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How can somebody get in touch with you? Do you have a website? Yeah. So my website is www.reframingourstories.com. I'm also on Facebook 
as reframing our stories and Instagram at reframing our stories. Yeah. You can contact me through my website or you can message me uh, through Facebook or through Instagram. Wonderful. And I'll make sure that I put Kara's link in with the description of this podcast. So that way you can check out her website for getting those cards, the reframing our stories cards. I thank you again so much for being here, Kara. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciated this and I totally appreciate the work that you're doing and the innovation that is happening for you as well. Right back at you. Trust me. This is a team. I truly believe that. And Kim Cook, who put together this C Education Alliance, she has this belief of we work as a team Mm -hmm. because we all care for children and youth as well as adults regarding being healthy and happy people on this planet. So for our listeners out there, I thank you so much for listening. Again, if you're interested in checking out some of Kara's items, what her services are, her cards, cards, please go to reframingourstories.com. For me, you can go to pubertyprof.com and you'll see comment boxes there. You can throw me a, a question or a comment. You'll also find links for the Talk Puberty app and the Talk Before Sex app. So again, I thank you for listening. Kara, again, thank you for being here. Thank and I so hope much. that, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by The Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time. This is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.